welcome to episode number 42 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, uh, recorded on October 30th, 2019. My name's Eric. I'm the host of the show. I'm based in southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, VE3 EPN, and computer geek. Uh, I got in preparedness when I was working frontline emergency services and witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events such as ice storms, power outages, etc. I started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared and to be able to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, and I live on a small hobby farm in BC. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, reloader, field officer for the CCFR, and my farm's designated handyman. I'm Alan, a safety nerd. My background as a first responder developed my mind for safety and preparedness. I teach first aid and coach my family and friends to be better prepared. I'm a locksmith by trade, and I've worked in the physical security industry for more than 20 years now. And I'm Hughes. I'm from Canada's East Coast. Um, I'm a Canadian Forces Armed Forces veteran, volunteer firefighter, and station chief, and also a volunteer search and rescue technician and prepper. Um, I've been preaching and living the prepper lifestyle to varying degrees for the last six years or so, and this was born out of necessity to ensure the short-term survival of my family, which includes three young children. Great. If you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, you can buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast uh, t-shirt at rapidsurvival.com. Uh, all the proceeds from the sale of the t-shirt help keep the lights on and the back of generator fueled. This shirt right here. It's a great look. If shirt. you're enjoying the show, <laughs> if you enjoyed the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Canadian Prepper Podcast and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad. Let us know if there's a the topic you want us to cover, or if you like or dislike something we're doing, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. We've only got one one star. Just saying. <laughs> well, I can fix that too if you want. <laughs> uh, we have some frigid content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll be letting you know how we've improved our or improved, if I could talk tonight, our preparedness since our last episode, and then we'll get into the main topic of this episode, winter vehicle preparedness, because old man winter is coming. Moving to some news articles. Uh, Link to coming down in southwestern Ontario. Yep. Can you guys hear me? If you can hear me and it's yep. interrupted, yep. it's because of all the rain in southwestern Ontario. And uh, we've got snow in the forecast. So that is uh, that is I'm uh, hunkering down and hoping that my internet holds out so I can at least stay and watch Netflix while I'm snowed in. Netflix is important. I was, part of preparedness. If, if it works. Yeah. I was really hoping you could, I was really hoping you could do your best dead stark there and go winter is coming or something, but uh, nah, yeah, it's, no. it's over. That's done. Nah. <laughs> All right. What a what a disappointing end to that show. But anyway, uh for me, just I got a couple of quick ones. Uh federal election happened. I don't know if you it guys did. <laughs> So, you may uh, have slightly noticed, yeah. yes. Yeah, you may have noticed. Uh, so, yeah, of course, just before the last the, uh, writ was dropped, and, of course, immediately afterwards, they started talking about gun bans again. So, um, hey, prepare yourself accordingly. Maybe uh, think about getting a single shot uh, shotgun, like we discussed in the shotgun episode. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, whatever you feel you need to do. Maybe uh, sell some stuff off, uh, whatever you want to do. Like, uh, just prepare accordingly is all I'm have, have a tragic boating accident. Mm. I didn't that say PVC pipe once. I, did I say PVC pipe? I didn't say it. No. Nope. We, I said have a tragic boating accident. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing how many guns you're going to end up at the bottom of Lake Superior. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, or, or sold to some guy named Mike in Canmore. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah, or, or, yeah. or George in Alberta. The official stance is prepare accordingly. Yep. Well, yeah, okay. So uh, other than that, I had a quick one. 
off the Vancouver Sun uh, newspaper, it was interesting that they put down that BC will need to double the power uh, output of the province to electrify the transportation industry. So in the meantime, they're pushing electric cars. Uh, at the same time, they're asking you to use LEDs and compact fluorescents in order to, to conserve energy because they don't have enough to go around. So sooner or later, something's going to have to give. So maybe some energy independence might be a good thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Solar panels. It's almost it's Solar almost panel. as if we should we should be able to produce our own electricity and keep it within our country first and then sell off that the excess. Be, you're just talking crazy talk. Yeah, yeah, common sense is not allowed. <laughs> it's called good sense. For common sense, more people would have it. Yeah, yeah. Common sense is not very common, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I've got a news article here from CBC in regards to uh, BC to update the emergency program law to improve disaster response. Uh, so it looks like they are uh, recognizing the fact that there's challenges of preventing and responding to a devastating wildfires and floods in uh, BC. And they're looking at making some amendments to the emergency program act as it needs to be uh, more modernized. Uh, and they have to put in some things, uh, lessons learned from uh, the 2018 floods in uh, Grand Forks. So seemed interesting. Uh, it looks like the act that uh, was referencing there dates back to 93. So um, quite a few years that uh, it hasn't been updated. So we're looking at updating it and putting some new things in to, to help them deal with uh, emergency situations. Um, and the one I had was uh, pretty much the same as um, Ian. It's in regards to federal election. Now, what I find interesting is that um, a minority government in Canada has not survived more than 437 days. Um, and uh, last I heard was that the Liberals were saying that a buyback program would come two years after uh, legislation was passed um, on uh, basically prohibiting uh, semi-automatic rifles. Now, they didn't specify, they specified specifically AR-15s, but they said 250,000 firearms would be part of the buyback program. There's only about 75,000 registered AR-15s, so that leads a lot of us to speculate um, that other uh, semi-automatic rifles might be included in that. But what's mm. interesting is that they're saying two years after legislation is passed in order for them to get all their ducks in a row, and typically a, a minority government doesn't sur survive more than 437 days. So we'll see. Should be interesting a uh, few years. So we'll see what happens. And that's, that's after legislation passes, which is going to take after, more, than, which more take, than tomorrow. You know, yeah. Which could take 12 to 18 months, right? So yeah. yeah we'll interesting see. times to come. Yep. We'll see I what would, happens. I would really settle for boring times. That'd be fantastic. That would be great. Like I just times years of nothing. Times <laughs> where my firearms stay in my possession would be just awesome. Yep. Yeah. Just same. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a rant for another uh, another podcast. Yeah, I think we could speak about this for an hour. So, yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. I, let's. I, besides, I haven't touched enough of this yet, like I did in the other one. So. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's the other thing that you know, has to be supplied mm -hmm. in the shop. That's for sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, let's uh, move into what we've done lately for our preps. Um, yeah, I guess I'll get started. Um, so I focused on preparing my home um, and properties um, for the winter months that are coming ahead. Uh, stuff like putting away furniture, securing seasonal gear. Um, I also perform by yearly maintenance on uh, my generators, my ATV, uh, my low-tested generators, which, which I do every month anyway, just to make sure that everything is working. Um, I checked and repacked uh, the get-home bag in both uh, vehicles, so my wife's uh, 
and my truck, um, as well as added some winter preparedness items in both vehicles. Um, things left to do is basically changing over from um, the summer to winter tires uh, as well. But uh, I recently also harvested a 140 pound doe. Uh, currently, uh, she's being made into uh, sausage, pepperoni, and jerky. Uh, and I've got uh, several dozen steaks uh, left from the uh, backstrap and the uh, the tenderloin so that's what i've been up to lately okay don't listen to the hunting episode uh from last year <laughs> please don't <yeah. laughs> 140 pounds that's impressive for a doe yeah, yeah. For, she was a pretty big doe so yeah awesome. actually i saw that picture it's pretty good yeah uh, for myself uh i finally bit the bullet went out and bought a new ham radio uh, i bought a, an hf rig so uh anybody that talks radio i grabbed a, a kenwood ts 590s so now it is time to start wiring up uh, some antennas. So that's going to be fun. Uh, I got in contact with a local uh, ham radio club member. I've been chatting with them quite a bit on, on air. And one of them came by the other day to give me some ideas on how to hook up the antenna and where to run it and what to tie it off to and uh, what trees to use, what trees not to use. And so I got a plan in place now. It's just a matter of going out and, and buying some masts and getting an antenna and, and finding a way to run the uh, coax cable into the office here. So it's going to be a fun project. Uh, hopefully I can get hold on that yet. Uh, you know what? She just doesn't need to know until it's already up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I might not be around for the next episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. already the art of forgiveness versus permission. You got it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes, but uh, I got some plans anyways, um, whether they come to fruition, we'll see, but Hopefully I can get something put together there. Uh, went out and also purchased the new little 22 rifle. Uh, couldn't say no. Um, the price was right, and it came with an Uncle Mike's uh, bug out bag. So they knew I was coming. Good deal. So, yeah, it's a good little takedown uh, take rifle. So Okay, actually, I, now i got questions. Uh, first of all, what's the Uncle Mike's bug out bag look like? Uh, it's basically a little bag that's uh, designed for the rifle to, to be housed in. So it's got some just some strap downs inside of it to hold the... Uh, the butt stock down in the uh, the barrel. Uh, it's nothing crazy, but uh, the name got me marketing. Yeah, well, <laughs> very very market specific yeah. there. Uh, Hughes, how do you how do you low test your generators? Just out of curiosity, like especially for the listeners, I guess. Yeah, so what I typically do is um, for the smaller generator, I'll just run some power tools and all kind of stuff. Like the smaller generator is rated for sixteen hundred watts continuous, so I'll put like a fifteen hundred watt load on it for about ten minutes, make sure everything is good there. For the bigger generator, which runs the entire house, I'll actually hook up everything. I'll shut off the main breaker for the house, um, and then basically I, I I run the entire house off the generator for about twenty minutes, make sure everything works, make sure there's no issues with the generator being able to supply the um, the required. Uh, amps and 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 voltage uh and after 20 minutes i shut everything down and go back to the uh grid and i do that when my family is not home so that they're not you know their lives aren't being disrupted and they can't watch door and all that kind of stuff but yeah because <laughs> that's stuff. yeah uh, hey. but yeah i do that once a month it's i mean you know firing up your, your generator and running it for 10 for, for for 10 minutes sure i mean it's it's working but is it able to sustain a load and sustain a continuous load um, like you'd want it to in case of an emergency, right? And and the time to find out is not when you actually need to rely on it. Uh, the time to find out is, is when you're testing it, right? So, no, that's that's solid for sure. Like I have a little overload uh, uh, indicator laid on my little Honda there, but um, same idea. Like I was using it recently, just actually for farm purposes. But uh, no, I should actually do the same and get my uh, my house hooked up with it and give it a test. That's uh, actually a really good idea. Yeah, what I usually tell people too is that you know when you're done 
um, low testing it, especially, um, you know, just shut off the fuel, let the carburetor run itself dry so you're not leaving any fuel in, in the carburetor to, you know, turn into varnish and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just, just follow those steps um, and you'll know that every four weeks that you've got a working generator can sustain a load and it's, that's good. It's good to go. Cool. Uh, as for myself, you guys can forgive my absence last week. I, uh, I ran a little late. Sorry about that. Here come the excuses. Yeah. Well, actually, it was legit. Like, so, full on legit. I had a, a mutual assistance group uh, request. Like, this guy has uh, helped me out about at least a dozen times when I needed him. So, he gave me a call and said, Hey, can you come down and give me a hand for, for uh, I figured it was a day or whatever, but I ended up spending a couple of days there. Fantastic. Uh, we did a good old fashioned barn raising. And it huh. was like, uh, but small scale barn, but anyway. Um, but yeah, he needed a spare set of hands. He's in carpentry, isn't his forte. So, um, no, I. I absolutely dropped tools and just went and helped him on request because, again, it's a reciprocity thing, right? So, anyway, so nice. that was my excuse for last week. Um, yeah, so expansion of rain shelters. I did. Uh, I showed Alan just before the show there on the camera. Um, I had a hay shed that had a the second half wasn't quite built properly, so I had uh, built what amounts to a carport for my farm tractor, which is you know a grandiose term for the quad. And um, so, yeah, I've got a nice steel roof uh, carport for that. I've got a tube style, you know, those Canadian Tire tube style shelters that, you know, come with a yellow tarp built in. Right, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, well, I had the tube frame for one of those, but no tarp for it. And I was given to me for free. So I built it up, put some uh, reinforcements on the roof, and then uh, bought like an oversized heavy duty tarp and got that up today because it's rainy season. Um, so, yeah, I got that done. So that's more stuff out of the rain and try to keep, prevent that rust. Uh, I actually went in and bought half a hog, or when I say me, I mean my wife, uh, went in and bought half a hog. And um, so we actually got like, I think it boiled down to about 100 pounds of, of various pork products, very much on the cheap. And we actually, we knew the pig and watched it grow up and know what it ate and everything else. So it was pretty good. We got it for cheaper than store-bought for what amounts to organic pork. So that was good. Nice. Awesome. Uh, let's see here. I put a new roof on the pump house uh, down below, which is the last original roof of the uh, the property. So um, whether just for maintenance purposes or if we end up selling this place, it's just nice to have that done. Uh, stocked up on some consumable items like TP and everything else because just want to make sure we keep that all high up. I rotated the gas uh, supply a little bit. Obviously, I'm on vacation. That's why I have so much time. Uh, <laughs> after the uh, reloading episode, let's see here. I felt I should practice what I preach, so I reloaded uh, some 30-30 rounds, which is basically, I think for a couple hundred rounds, it's pretty much a lifetime supply at my current burn rate on the 30-30. So, uh, yeah, I uh, got plenty of those. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I did the reloading uh, podcast there as well, and we talked about the uh, cleaning your brass, and I went and got the steel pin version of the fiber... Uh, I guess the tumbling brass cleaner versus the vibratory version. And it uh, worked out very well. So I sold off the old uh, tumbler already. And thanks to King Gun Nuts, uh, refinished a rifle stock. Oh, it's right here, actually. Still still curing, but uh, refinished a rifle stock that from the old Baikal I used on the podcast last time because uh, it was not doing well in the rain. So it, uh, it had some holes in the finish. So I took care of that. Um, Let's see here. Actually, also changed the oil and the gas log splitter because of the season. Just like uh, Hughes, I have to do the quad and the generator next week. And yeah, uh, like ten minutes ago, bought another uh, Baikal shotgun, single shot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so um, that was that, and I think that's pretty much it. I, I'm sure I missed a couple things, but anyways, I'm on vacation for another week, so it's all good. Very nice. And uh, if you guys can still hear me, and I have no idea because I'm getting really spotty reception, um, 
recently, as in about an hour and a half ago, I went and joined the uh, Middlesex County CERV, which is the Community Emergency Response Volunteer Team, uh, which is a second tier uh, second tier response agency that will um, that goes and stands up the the evacuation shelters or the reception centers, as they're now called, uh, in the event of a, a larger scale disaster. So that's one more thing that I get to. Uh, um, get to focus on because I need more things to split my time and um, they focus on preparedness which I think is pretty cool um, they're, they're the ultimate they want people that they want to they want to um, educate and equip people that don't need to be evacuated so that's uh, there's there's more to come on that as training progresses uh, found some pretty excellent uh, deals on tools at Canadian Tire so stocked up the garage a little bit and um, gonna get into a uh, gonna get into a brake job before winter for my uh, for my car. Nice. nice. Actually, I just want to say because you it's about time you stepped up, Alan, because you've really been slacking lately on the uh, the, the the first responder stuff. <laughs> oh oh yeah, I I have I have nothing. I have I have no uh, no excuses. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, I don't do enough in the world. Actually, uh, the CERV team is that uh, a nationwide thing or just a local thing? Um, it's sponsored by the provincial governments. I don't know if there are equivalents, equivalent agencies across the across the country. Um, Middlesex County is one of three, you know, formally recognized CERVs in the province. Okay. Uh, which is when I when I read about that, like it's um, there are a lot of there are a lot of organizations that that do the Red Cross and the Salvation Army all have similar roles, and but there's no other. "Quote unquote" governmental agency that uh, that does that. Now, most municipalities have their own people, but uh, where the CERV stands up is where people are scarce. So, in smaller communities, like uh, bigger cities, will have uh, will have people that have job descriptions that include these that include these tasks. But smaller municipalities just don't have the manpower to do it. That's pretty neat, actually. I hadn't heard of that before, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I, I haven't. I haven't investigated about the about the the, the nationwide application of it, but uh, um, I'm aware of its provincial standing. It's been around for about 15 years here, and um, fortunately, they don't they don't do a whole lot in terms of actual emergency response. It's a lot more training than uh, training than action, uh, which always reminds me of that uh, that scene from uh, from the movie Elf with the Central Park Rangers. They're highly trained, but rarely see action. Well, I guess well, I don't know it's, if kids are being I, appropriate for that, but <laughs> I, no, I, I'm just saying that it's, it's free training. That's a good thing, right? So, yeah. well, that, that's exactly it, and it's, it's free training, and um, and and very specifically, um, their their offer their offer to their volunteers is um, training that can help prevent you from becoming a statistic of somebody that needs to be evacuated. And so, mm-hmm. if we take that model and share it with our neighbors, then. We create a community of people that don't need to be evacuated. If they evacuated, and then, you know, maybe that's a bit of a pipe dream. But the further the further we can spread that that message, the better off we all are. It's almost as if we should have a podcast relating to the same thing. Weird. Ooh, that's hmm. a good idea. Almost. It is great I idea. Think, I think it is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder if somebody will ever think of that. <laughs> actually there's this two new podcasts i, I should have mentioned those in the shout outs later on but uh it's actually right. nice to see more and more happening so awesome well maybe we'll move into the uh the main topic then all so. right well where do we want to begin 
Yeah, that is a good question. Lots okay, so to cover I, off. I got a jumper cable story for you. Right. So, uh, because jumper cables are kind of a, a for a year round season or year round uh, piece of equipment you should have in your car. Uh, but it's interesting. So, I was actually waiting at my daughter's high school to pick her up from a field trip. And um, there was actually two students uh, at the same time with vehicles that had dead batteries. And uh, they were kind of like scratching their heads and they didn't know who to call and they didn't know what to do and everything else. And I know I wasn't really paying attention at all. I was just on my phone type of thing. They came over and said, Hey, do you know anything about how to jumpstart a car? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're like, well, uh, who do I call? It's like, you don't need to call anybody. I said, I, I got it. And they're like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I got jumper cables to my car. And they're like, Oh, okay. And then they, they're completely lost. So I, I drove over to their car and, uh, they said, I said, pop your trunk or pop your hood for me. And they're like, how do I do that? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, no, this is not acceptable. So I said, we're going to turn this into a learning experience. Yep. And so actually I had these, these, these 16, 17 year old girls all huddled around. And I was like, okay, red and black. This is what it means. You know, here's the battery terminals, positive and negative. And I actually made them do it. And um, it's so funny because they were just like, I think they were happy to do it, but they had no idea what they were doing, which was sad and happy at the same time. So I was happy to be able to teach them. But then at the end of it, they were proud of themselves for having done it. And then uh, I said, listen, Go to Canadian Tire, spend the twenty bucks, get a set of jumper cables. They're you know they're cheap and they'll save you a lot of money long term because you don't have to pay for a tow truck. Yep. And I actually convinced two of them to go do it. So I was like, huh. hey, so nice. small victory. <laughs> so I didn't want to mention a, a podcast at that point and embarrass my daughter. So <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so jumper cables. That was my my first one. Well, they're important uh, to have. Yeah, like I said, year round, but. Get to check them this uh, at the beginning of each season, right? Make sure they're there. Make sure they're intact. Well, and just because the cold weather, it is good. Lower the cold cranking amps of your battery. And so your battery might work great in summer when the engine oil is warm and the battery is warm. But when everything starts to get cold and a little more viscous, yeah, they're going to become necessary. Yep. That's uh, that's one thing I had to do last year was replace the battery in my truck. Um, I think it was only four years old at the time, but I mean, it worked fine all summer. As soon as the temperatures did below zero, the truck was like struggling to crank over and I'm like, not doing it. Went straight to Canadian Tire, bought a new battery. I upgraded it to like an AGM. Um, yeah, I've got the same. Cold cranking apps of what I had, yeah. and on the subject of uh, booster cables, I think booster cables are great. They're essential to have in your vehicle. Um, encourage everyone to have them, but also think about having like a battery booster box because uh, beat me there's going to be there's going to be times when there's going to be nobody around, um, and you're going to need to boost yourself, and and ultimately that's really and. I think the second biggest thing about that is make sure you size it correctly to your vehicle. Yeah. Um, there are some cheaper ones that are smaller. They're not necessarily going to boost a big V8 engine. Um, those take a lot of cranking apps to turn over. So I think even the biggest battery packs only like, I think 150 or 200 bucks, um, you know, make sure a lot of them have a, you know, lead acid uh, battery in them. Make sure you keep them, like I plug mine in once a month, just tops it up, and I know I've got a full charge on it, right? Um, and really, some people may balk at the investment of, like, you know, I don't want to spend 150 to 200 with jumper cables or only at 20 bucks, but at the same time, it's something you could use recreationally. Um, a lot of them have <clears throat> a 12-volt outlet on it, so you can use it to charge your phone. Um, some of the bigger ones even have an inverter built into them, so you can use them to uh, plug in your laptop or anything like that. So just think about this as an investment that you're going to use to not only get yourself out of trouble, but you can also use at the camp. You can use um, at the beach or anything like that, right? I think that's one of the single best investments we can do in Canada uh, as drivers. 
Oh yeah, I've used mine countless times, and it's not not only to help myself to boost my own vehicle or to charge my phone up if I needed it, but to help someone else I've come across as well. It's just they're great to have. They're small, compact, right, and simple to use. It's great. And some mechanics will tell you it's better to use um, a battery pack to help somebody else in need than hook them up to your own vehicle because if there's something the really risk? wrong with their electrical system, yep. um, you you run the risk of damaging your own vehicle. Right. Yeah. Uh, when at the end of the day, if they damage a two hundred dollar booster box, you're bring it back to Kenny you get a new one. That's it's not a big deal, right? Yeah. If they mess up the electrical system in a forty, fifty thousand dollar dollar truck, then that, now what? That's not, yeah, exactly. Now now what exactly? So that's why a lot of companies have policies against jumping vehicles. Yep. Um, especially I find um, you won't find many police uh, departments that will let them boost the vehicles, right? So nope. there's so much sensitive electronics in that and in those cars that they just can't can't risk that, right? So yeah, I was trying to give Eric the underhand pitch there because I've seen his uh, genius boost already. Um, how, oh, do you yeah. figure out, how do you figure out which model is good for your vehicle? Is it just like a, a cold cranking amp thing or is it a, a model um, number? So I, I'll specifically speak to the ones um, at Canadian Tower. Like, I think they have three models that are um, without the inverters and then one or two that have the, the 120 volt inver- inverters on them. But if you look at, you know, the bigger number, the better. But if you look on the box, it'll say this one's good for, you know, four cylinder engines, six cylinder engine, eight cylinder engines. Uh, sometimes for diesel engines, you need something even bigger uh, because they work off compression and not ignition. Um, but yeah, the bigger, the better. And, and even if you have a four cylinder or six cylinder car don't shy away from getting the bigger one it just gives you more capacity um gives you more cold cranking apps if you don't always think about charging the pack maybe the battery is going to be at three quarters well that may not be sufficient to start a v6 engine right so but it typically says it on the box yeah solid advice yep all right well uh heat source yep important especially in winter all right, so uh, yeah, we can go through all sorts of them. Um, hand warmers was my first one, just no, for yeah. uh, for comfort of people that might be sitting in the car while you're trying to yeah. to boost it, <laughs> or uh, you know, sitting long term. There, that yeah. psychological benefit of a dollar item is huge, right? So, oh, yeah. put six or seven packets of those in the uh, in the glovey or the trunk storage. I know uh, Hughes has got the big ass uh, storage on the side of his his truck bed there and everything else, but uh, yeah, cheap item. Yep. Good yeah, psychological you can effect. Pick up, I mean, you can pick up a, a literally a case of them at Costco right now yep. for like $20 and you get like 40 in there. You get some body warmers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I found that they go bad pretty quickly. Like I think you only get two years before they expire. And I've actually tried to use ones that are expired and you basically get like, whereas the brand new ones, you get like, you know, four or five hours of pre- pretty good heat. The ones that are past their due date, you get like half an hour. So they're still going to work, but not, not as great. Right. So. Uh, that, that plastic's like that. permeable, and as soon as it hits oxygen, and that's it, right? That's right, exactly. So, yeah. a great addition for the glove box, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, I can't understate, um, you know, winter-specific clothing. Um, that's one of the things that I do when I when I refresh um, the get home bag in my vehicle. Um, I typically have um, another smaller bag that has specific clothing to the season that I'm going into. So when it comes to winter, I have extra toques. Uh, toques in there um i have the neck gator to basically protect from my neck up um extra pairs of gloves i have just an old fleece or an old um windbreaker or something like that just just to add some 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 layers and some some comforts and i can't stress this enough you know a, a pretty good pair of boots i know it's going to take some place yep. in your, your some room or your vehicle but i mean if you're going out and you're wearing sneakers because you're just going some, somewhere if you end up getting caught um and you're in sneakers trying to get your vehicle out of a ditch it's not going to be fun, right? So, no, it's going to no. be very cold. Yeah, very quickly. 
and I mean, if you're worried about, you know, spending a, you know, outlaying a huge amount of cash just to put clothing in your vehicle, uh, one of the, once again, the good old surplus store, uh, $10, 100% wool toques. So they yep. keep you warm when they're wet and they're cheap. Uh, might not be pretty, but they you don't get too upset. Yeah, they were great. <laughs> and hundred uh, percent wool and thick, like really thick. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Like for myself, I don't really have winter boots per se here in the vehicle. I have uh, what basically amounts to waterproof work boots uh, just because of the climate. And then I put like a, a Gore-Texy, that, that hideously ugly blue, um, I think I showed you guys before, the um, surplus uh, Gore-Tex jacket I got for like 25 bucks. And uh, yeah, the wool toque and just a couple other waterproof things like those uh, Costco actually sells, was it three pairs of those waterproof rubberized gloves that have a bit of insulation to them. And yeah, you can sit there, flog away in mud, and you won't. Your hands won't get wet, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, what are your thoughts on candles, guys, in the vehicle? I carry one. Are the candles? Yeah. 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 So, like, yeah, I mean, they a are a three wick one. Yeah. Yeah, a little heat source, little yeah. uh, little light, uh, psychological again. Uh, it does make actually, if your car is covered in snow, it actually does create a bit enough heat to actually keep you from dying. So, yeah. <laughs> might not be happy about it, but anyway. All right. Um, catalytic, catalytic heaters, thoughts, like the little flameless propane powered thingies. Um, so I've got one of the Zippo ones for a hand warmer. So it's like a little stainless steel. You put some fuel in it, um, and it, it works on that, that, that catalytic process. Um, yeah. I usually use it for hunting in, in an open air environment. Um, yeah. if I were to use it in a vehicle, obviously you want to crack a window. Um, yeah. I don't know if they emit, um, carbon monoxide. You know, but um, just have to be careful with that kind of stuff, right? So, especially where you can get yourself in a condition or in a sorry in a situation where your vehicle can be um, all covered in snow, um, you know, that can restrict air into the vehicle. So, um, you know, one of the biggest things that they always say is don't leave your vehicle running all the time because the exhaust is going to, you know, basically yeah. recirculate into the vehicle, um, and that can prove to be you know harmful or fatal. Um, so when it comes to that kind of stuff, I mean, an open, like a candle, not, not that worried about it. Right. But something like a catalytic heater, um, I'm more, more so worried about that. So I think it's something I would keep in a vehicle if I had to buck out of the vehicle. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my take on it, I guess. Cool. Um, I was just saying little buddy, uh, heaters for the car. If you want to like preheat your vehicle when you're sitting at home or, you know, you might have a, a chance to plug it in as well as the, the, uh, block heater, you might put a plug in a little buddy, keep your car a little bit warmer just to make your life a little easier. But that's not so much a prepping thing; it's just a comfort thing. Um, yeah, no, that that's a good point though that that you make, and I think um, depending on the climate that you live in, um, I don't think many vehicles come with block heaters installed in a vehicle, but it's something you can get done for pretty cheap. Um, and also places like Canetar and Princess Auto, at least in Canada and the states, it might be like uh, Harbor Freight. Um, they sell battery warmers. It's like little. Uh, little battery heated battery goes around sorry heated blanket that goes around your battery um you can also put a battery tender to ensure that um you keep the battery charge charged up so like for myself i work from home so sometimes i won't take the truck out for two or three days well if when it's constantly minus 10 or 15 outside it's really going to um affect the battery right so keeping a battery 10 tender i know that when i go to start it up i'll have the full amount of power available right so having those items you plug the truck in and um it does all of those at the same time probably not a bad idea also yeah so the block heater heats up the uh, the core of the engine with the uh, actual radiator fluid right. uh, 
and there's uh, the battery blanket, like you mentioned, keeps the battery warm to get the better cold cranking amps. There is actually a third thing that we used to use up in the far north. Um, it's actually an uh, oil pan heater. So you actually, right. basically, there's some silicone glue you can use that you actually, it's like a heating element you smack onto the bottom of the oil pan. And uh, just like the block heater, it actually keeps the oil warm enough so when you crank the engine, it'll actually turn over a little more easily uh, when it's minus 40 something. I've seen some magnetic ones too that will actually just, they magnetically hold on to the bottom of the oil pan. Um, that's a pretty good idea too. Yeah, and the last thing to maintain the battery too is uh, they have this little K entire twenty dollar. I think you used to have it right here, but those little solar panels that plug in, uh, put on your, your dash and and crank the battery, charge the battery a little bit. Yeah, if you have a weak battery, it's a, a thought too. Yeah, anything that gives it a trickle charge, um, you know, one one or two amps um, should be plenty, right? So, uh, but there's some smart chargers as well out there that will basically top up the battery and then look to go into maintenance mode, so you're not always feeding it one or two amps when it doesn't need that. Uh, current and uh really a battery tender is going to run you like 30 or 40 bucks at this point so not that bad of an investment yeah we've got uh one comment here on the uh, the youtube from uh, blizzard fpv uh, nothing like learning uh the hard way so i uh, broke down one winter all i got was a leather jacket and newspaper to keep them warm i've always prepared ever since oh good point don't want to learn the hard way a um, couple of other things I, I keep in my vehicle as well is I don't, um, I've got a truck, but I don't have a winch on the truck. I'd love to have a winch on the truck, but um, having a winch that's capable of moving a 6,000 pound truck is is quite an investment, right? Um, so I keep typically uh, a 30 foot uh, tow rope in a vehicle. Um, I keep, uh, I've got tow hooks on the front of the vehicle. I've got a tow hook that fits in my back uh, hitch. Um, I've got some axle straps. I got some tree straps, and then I've got—I uh, think it's a four-ton come along. So if I find myself in a situation where I'm stuck and all I've got around me is some trees, that four-ton come along is going to be able to move the truck inch by inch. But you know, if I've got time, then I'll be able to get that truck out of there. Hopefully, um, the other big investment I made was on uh, Max Track. So if you guys ever seen these things, but basically, uh, they look like long plastic sleds. Um, they've got um, spikes on the bottom and on the top, so the tires can actually have some purchase. Um, you can use these in mud or snow or anything like that. It's basically if you're stuck, um, you know, I've got the option to put my truck in four wheel drive, four wheel low, uh, but sometimes that's not enough. And these max tracks, uh, they're probably about three and a half or four feet long, about a foot wide, and you put them in front or behind the tires, and it gives you purchase so the, the vehicle um, the wheels will actually roll onto these plastic sleds so to speak um, and it'll purchase into the ground and into the tire and you can actually move yourself like about three or four feet at a time so um, between um, having all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive which is which is a great thing to have in Canada and anywhere that has snow um, having something like uh, a come along in a toe strap or even the max tracks is is a really good investment. And between all of those, I've never got myself stuck to the point that I can get myself unstuck. Um, well, to cover with that, uh, the the cat tracks there, you want to make sure you have like a miniature short handle shovel to actually like dig the snow out of the way first, so you can get it down far enough. Yeah. yeah. So like even if just a short 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 handle shovel to go in the trunk is is a big lifesaver too, instead of using your hands to scoop it. And the thing too is, you know, max tracks are expensive. They're they're about four hundred dollars. Um, you can get some knockoffs on eBay for about two hundred dollars, but you really get what you pay for. Um, the other thing you can do is you can take your car mats, take the car mats out of the vehicle, um, put those under the tires, and and those will actually help you to get traction to get out. Um, again, it, it's probably going to be a tedious process because you can only move the vehicle like one one or two feet at a time. 
but and you're probably going to destroy your car mass as well but you know they're 40 dollars at costco so if it means getting yourself out of a situation that would otherwise cost you know three four five hundred dollars for a tow truck take your car mats out stick them underneath the tires and hopefully you get enough purchase to move the vehicle a few feet cool awesome uh food that's yep, you gonna need it yeah how much how, what kind of what kind of food do you want to put in there I carry some granola bars, some protein bars, um, a little bit, uh, a couple of packs of Mountain House, and uh, some bottles of water to, to mix up in them. And then, uh, do you find the I got water a little bit of food in your vehicle. Was that? Do you find the water will freeze in your vehicle? I keep it in my pack that I uh, bring in with okay. me. So I got a little pack okay. that I carry in and out of places, and yeah, and I got water with me. Yeah, I've always I've always thought about keeping the water, but I always thought it would freeze in the vehicle, and um, yeah. I don't think sometimes I'm diligent enough to always get something in and out of the vehicle. Oh, I've uh, forgotten a few times. <laughs> the price. But the interesting thing is, is if you get those emergency water uh, ration packs, yep, like they're a little more say. pricey, yep. but they actually expand and contract. And they oh, right. Burst. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, Transport Canada Guru, who's watching on the show right now, he actually has uh, some Datrex rations in there. Yep. So, um, and they're good because they're covered in foil. Survival, um, like survival um, cookies. Uh, craft, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. So yeah, they're like the more than or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, like for me, I just I had some food in the car and the in the truck, but as of this week, the rats and mice have gotten to them and ate uh, them all. Ooh. So uh, I had to put a uh, a bait station in in the in the car <laughs> and, and uh, to try and get rid of those beggars. And then I'm going to have to switch over to something like the Datrex because that's actually wrapped in enough foil that once your teeth touch the foil, they won't go any further. So and I, I found um, I found to to Eric's point, um, I have the same thing like um, uh, like the protein bars and all that kind of stuff, but also have some some Werther's Originals or some candies or mm. something. Because yep. um, you know if you're going to be stuck in your vehicle for for a while, sometimes that just having a little morale boost is all you need, right? Um, so um, having having candies is is not a bad source of of a sugar boost. Well, Here's right. the tip here from uh, Blizzard FPV again. Uh, some cheap Dollarama almonds. Yeah, not a bad cool. idea. Yeah, price is right. And they've got even got uh, macadamia nuts and much other uh, high end food than the uh, dollar store now. Nice. He also he also mentioned the Woods Vintage 1984 Canadian military sleeping bag, which he stole my thunder on that one too. But <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So that was that was a good idea. So uh, flares, reflectors, what kind of signal devices or or warning things do you guys put out in your vehicles? Yeah, I got a couple of flares just uh, just in case. Um, a couple of traffic cones because for whatever reason people are terrified of them. <laughs> Psychological thing, I suppose. But um, you know, we'll drive right up to the back of an emergency vehicle, but uh, they won't drive within fifteen feet of a cone. Yeah, that's that's uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but. Uh, same. I use pyro pyrotechnic flares. Uh, they're yeah. the same thing as smoke flares. You get about 10, 15 minute minutes out of them. Um, I don't. I just don't have the fancy little metal hanger, so I have to let them sit on the ground. But they kind of have the same effect. Yeah. Um, and one thing I want to mention as well is is one thing that I had to learn the hard way is um, as a first responder, I used to keep a medical bag in my vehicle that included um, a, um, a defibrillator as well as some uh, naloxone and some other drugs that we're able to administer. And you have to be careful with those drugs because a lot of them are temperature sensitive where they can't go below uh, freezing and they can't go above like 30 or 35 degrees centigrade. Um, so the problem with that by leaving them in the vehicle is that the drugs will deteriorate pretty quickly to the point that um, you're administering a drug that's now ineffective, right? Especially yeah. for naloxone, if it's, if it's frozen, um, it's not going to be of any use to you, right? And the other nope. thing is on on the um, 
uh, on the defibrillators. I mean, it's a great thing to have a new vehicle, but thinking about it, it's not necessarily the lithium-ion battery is going to fail you. It's the gel on the actual pads themselves. So if you take the pads out of the packaging, try to stick them to a patient's chest, if they're frozen, if the gel is frozen, it's not going to make contact, and it's not, it's not going to be effective. Um, so that's another thing to think about as well. <clears throat> the nice thing about those uh, flares, too, is that they... Uh... A three pack for what, maybe twenty bucks or whatever. But they, uh, they're great fire starters. If they they get yeah, towards true. their expiry date, and you have to burn some some wet stuff, it's a good good fire starter to throw that in there. And trust me, I'll get it going. But uh, yeah, I mean, they last a long time. There's also the reflectors, like you said. Um, Blizzard FPV pointed out to me that uh, yeah, put my rations inside of a uh, old paint can because that way the uh, the rats won't get to it, and it's also a burn bucket. But uh, great point. Um, yeah, it's okay. Well, hindsight, twenty twenty. So I guess I'll get on that. <laughs> And some uh, other thing I've seen is uh, people go to Princess Auto or eBay or anything and get like a $20 amber flashing light, um, like the one that you'd have um, that you'd yeah. see on the side of construction vehicles or something like that. Um, at least, I mean, you'd have to check with your local um, or your provincial or your, your state uh, motor vehicle code. But um, at least where I live here on Canada's East Coast, having an amber flashing light on your vehicle when it's on the side of the road. There's no law against it, um, so it's it's perfectly fine as far as a marker or deterrent um, for vehicles, right? So, just keep oh, in yeah. mind that dr- drunks drive towards what they're looking at, and they'll be looking at that light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, what's that so, pretty light so, all uh, about? <laughs> keep your head on a swivel if you're putting a flashlight on your car. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Transport category also mentioned the fact that he uses a Nalgene bottle with room for expansion. That way, if it freezes, the bottle won't burst because, of course, yeah. it'll just have room to That's expand inside the bottle. Yep. Good point. Um, what else is he going to mention there? The uh, you talked about the the Genius Boost using that as a, a cell phone charger, but even just having like a, a twelve volt adapter for the cigarette lighter and a charging cord for your cell. That way, if you're on you know twelve percent left on your phone, you can still call for help without running out. Which yep. I know a lot of people that shall remain nameless that have gone driving with like two or three percent left on their phone, and then yeah, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay, I'm not alone. That's good. Yeah, but, but uh, um, one thing I think I've mentioned in a previous episode is, uh, at least in Canada and the U.S., I, I don't know about other countries, but um, if you have a cell phone, even if there's no service associated with it, either prepaid or postpaid, um, the phone still has to be able to dial out to 911. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you pick up a cheap cell phone off, you know, Kijiji or Craigslist or eBay, um, think about like a flip phone for 10 bucks. Keep the battery charged. Um, if your phone is dead or you can't find it, you, you've been in an accident. If you can retrieve this phone from your glove box, it's got a full battery. Um, you can call 911 on it. It doesn't necessarily have to have a GPS feature because they can triangulate your position based on cell towers to get an estimated location of where you are. Um, I think it's called like AGPS or something like that. But I mean, this 10 or $20 investment could seriously save your life um, yep. because you you have to be, I mean, they have to be able to dial out to, to a 911. Um, don't, don't test it. If you get one because that's going to be an excuse of the 911 system but yep. know that if you have a cell phone um you don't have to have service associated with the phone in order for uh to call out so for those that drive around with one or two percent on their battery might not be a bad investment to just throw a phone in your glove box right yeah because i'm pretty sure the 911 operators can request a triangulation and have your location yeah. pretty dang quick right right depending on where you are uh, they yeah. can triangulate pretty accurately or it can be off by like 20 kilometers but uh, well, it's worth a shot. But it gives us first responders something, something to work with. I mean, yeah. you know, in a rural area, if you tell me a, a five-kilometer area um, and there's only one road in there, I'm just going to drive up and down that road until I see, you know, tire marks that go into a ditch, right? Yeah. So um, hopefully it's better than nothing, basically. Yeah. I and mean, if you're still able to talk, you can give a general idea as to where you were and what you remember seeing and 
Yeah, any I'll landmark. Find it. I mean, yeah. I'm somebody who drives on the highway, and I look at every mile marker, and I know yeah. that the last mile marker I passed was 72. So if I have to call yeah. 911, I'm like, this is the highway I'm on. I'm southbound. I just passed mile marker 72. Hopefully, it doesn't get any better than that. But I know my wife is like, you know, what what province are we in right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, hope she's not watching right now. <laughs> Don't worry, so, I'll, blank, I'll blank that part out when I do the uh, post. Uh, yeah, please, me too, because I'm already in trouble from two episodes ago or three episodes ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, TP, uh, I kind of laughed. So last winter, they had that big accident in the 400 where the, those guys were stuck on the highway for like, was it 18 hours or something? Oh, and, long, long time, yep. Yeah, and there was like, you know, was multiple hundred car pile up. There. They also, the thing that stuck with me from last year's uh, news interviews, the one guy said, I would have given anything for a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> 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 and I was like, yeah, it's you know, Kleenex, toilet paper, point. paper towel, yeah. you know, uh, multiple purposes, even cleaning off your hands after you change a tire or whatever. Yep. I mean, having some TP or some sort of paper product can't hurt, I guess, right? Yeah. And I think we mentioned it in the hygiene episode. You can throw it in a vac pack and uh, vac pack it, and then it'll compress down into a nice small little package, and uh, you'll have a lot of TP in your car. Yeah, with three kids, I always carry a pack of Kirkland baby wipes. Um, oh yes, I have. Yeah, that's a little bit nicer than uh, TP at times, and it's you know it's always good to wash your hands or anything. So that's I'm like discovering how versatile the baby wipes are. <laughs> they're amazing. They're they just get the unscented one, or else people yeah. are gonna be like, "What? What's what's that smell like? This smell yeah. like baby cream, right?" Yeah. Yeah. Oh, All right. Very, so very useful. So we had Blizzard ask us about the uh, BioLite stove. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, actually, I have one. It uh, I got it. For, I I wouldn't want to spend the money myself uh, for Christmas. Uh, I asked for it because I didn't want to you know blow the cash because I wasn't sure how it was going to work. Um, it works. I mean, I think if you're in a winter conditions, you're not going to find enough twigs and stuff to charge a phone with a BioLite stove that's dry enough to make it work. But in summertime, yep. And same thing if you got a bunch of wood scraps or whatever. But um, not overly practical for a vehicle thing, but for camping, yes. Yeah, that's been my experience with the BioLite stove. Um, is um, I used it in a very wet. It was January, um, and and it was a very wet time of the year. So even though it's a gasifier stove, so once you get it started, once you get it hot enough, it's going to burn its own gases, which is great. But getting it to that point was very hard based on on any material we could find we were warming the stuff up in our hands trying to get the moisture out um you know and i i just wanted coffee and after half an hour of trying to mess with this thing i just i was done we went to uh the naphtha stove and that's it right but i ended up purchasing the biolite pellets for it which kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing because now i'm bringing in the stove and i'm bringing in fuel where i bought the biolite stove in order to just bring in the stove and have nature as my fuel um so i think to your point uh ian if you use it in the summertime where everything's done nice and dry awesome but if you're using it in a wet environment like winter i didn't have a lot of luck with it but that's just me yeah same thing with the kelly kettle i mean it's extremely efficient to boil water with the, one of those little kelly kettles got the hollow core and you throw t- twigs down the middle and there's like a water sleeve around it yeah. um yeah. fantastic if you've got a bunch of dry kindling but if not yeah it's not great right but um yeah, the last thing I want to mention too is the uh, windshield washer fluid. It's it's like a you know smack your forehead kind of face palm thing, but you know that minus twenty jug of Canadian Tire windshield washer fluid that's or it's green. It's minus forty five or something. Um, there's nothing worse than being stuck in bad weather and being twenty miles from the nearest Canadian Tire and not being able to get more washer fluid, or having to pay dollars for it at a gas station. Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you I mean you might be nowhere near a gas station in the in a snowstorm too, right? And you get that salty grid on the on the windshield. It's oh, like yeah. Yeah. there's nothing oh, worse yes. than that. So uh you know to put the three or four 
dollar jug in your back trunk. It's not going to freeze. So no problem, right? Right. Um, last one I wanted to mention too is for my points here was a uh, urban preppers. I mean, there are people that you know predominantly live in the cities and don't go very far beyond. You can also short circuit a lot of this stuff just by getting yourself a CEA membership with the caveat and a big asterisk beside it. Yes, it's great in normal times, but if there's a massive snowstorm, you might be number 485 in lineup for a tow out of the ditch. Mm-hmm. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, it is great for an everyday uh, stuff that comes up, like your battery's dead or you're, you are like the only guy stuck in the ditch that day. But if you're massive snowstorm, yeah, you're, you're, it's useless. I think um, one thing I forgot to mention, and I, I don't have them in my vehicle, is, is tire chains. I don't think it's a huge thing anymore, especially for people that don't live in really rural, remote areas. Maybe Ian being on the West Coast, maybe it's a more common thing being in a mountainous area. But um, I, I don't know what everyone's take on tire chains are i mean i think if you have really good tires and, and a four-wheel drive system you should be okay uh my fear is that i've seen what can happen when the tire chains get loose and they beat your fender to death and then you've got you know a two or three thousand dollar repair bill but um yeah i don't know if you guys have in your vehicle or what your thoughts are on I don't. uh we had them in the prairies um i've never seen them here except for on trucks and right. they tend to over exaggerate the the hazards of some of these passes like rogers pass i get high altitude lots of snow but when the highest pass around here is 1,500 feet above sea level, it's it's kind of a joke when these guys are chaining up sometimes. But you right. know, teach their own. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about Highway Through Hell, where you know you've got you've got um, in Hope, BC, or something like that, where the guys are always chaining up, and it's mandatory. Yeah. Like, like Department of Transport is saying you have to chain up to, to to go up this pass, right? Yeah, and so those guys absolutely with the semi trucks, but the cars generally don't. Although okay. I just bought a set of winter tires for my daughter's uh, car there, and it's actually a studdable set of tires, so you can actually insert the studs into them, um, and then take them out later on. I don't know how they they, they stay in there; they're they're threaded in or something. But okay. yeah, they have the ability to put studs in them. Yep. Um, what about uh, traction sand? Do you guys have that in your vehicle or keep some in your vehicle? Uh, no, I just got uh, salt for the driveway. That's it. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I can't really use salt because I'm on a well, and the well is quite close to the driveway, so I can't use an excessive amount of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, but we typically stock stock up on traction salt. Um, the only thing I heard is that from a friend who works in the insurance industry is that if I put a bunch of um, sandbags in the back of my truck thinking that I'm putting weight and, and gaining more traction. They said that if I get into an accident, that can actually be used against me because of the fact that I changed the, the dynamics of the vehicle by adding a bunch of weight to it, which I think is kind of a, yeah. kind of bullshit, um, if I can say that, because at the same time, I could be like, well, I was just transporting it to a friend's yeah. house, and I've got a pickup truck, and that's what pickup trucks so, are made so for. pickup trucks do, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, it's, it's that double-edged sword, right? Companies. Like if you're rear wheel drive and you're any and you put more weight on the rear wheels, uh, it makes sense. But of course, yeah, the inertia increase is a problem too, right? So it's kind of a double sword that way. Well, but, all the time they say don't put the weight behind the rear axle, put it ahead of the rear axle. Um, yeah. Because if you put too much weight behind the rear axle, it can actually change the dynamics of the vehicles quite quite greatly, right? So there's especially that. yeah for for turning and stuff. But um, no, we used to do it all the time in Alberta. Was uh, we'd put a couple sandbags right right just yeah on the rear wheels or just slightly ahead of them. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, that was kind of. A I, thing I know, I like I, I know, with you know, with a half ton truck with no weight in the back, as soon as the snow hits, I mean, I find it fun to you know go around the corners and have have the have the back end of my truck fly around like eight 
eight or 10 feet. My wife doesn't enjoy that at all. Um, so, <laughs> but what I usually tend to do is to be a little bit safer. I, I put my truck in four wheel drive auto, which basically means that the truck is in two wheel drive at all times. If it detects that the rear wheels are slipping, it kicks in the front axle and, and I'm pretty good to go at that point. So I'll typically feel it slip for about half a second. And then I feel I've got full traction at that point, but I've never, I've never put additional weight in the back of my truck other than for actually legitimately transporting things in, in winter time. So. Oh, see, I was remiss. I, uh, Blizzard FPV pointed out the fact we didn't mention an air pump yet, but, um, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, good point. Uh, I think we covered that in regular vehicle preps, but, um, for winter specific stuff. Yeah. It still comes into play. Yep. Um, I just learned something too. You mentioned the fact that basically the, uh, once you get road grime in the studs, you won't be able to get the studs in. So I, I don't know. I've never, never used them or seen them before, but I, uh, I was always raised on just using all, uh, all season tires and driving like a human being versus having dedicated tires for each season. So one, uh, one good point that, uh, was just raised about the air pump is, um, going back to the Canadian tire Motomaster, um, battery boxes or the jumper boxes. Um, a lot of the higher end ones come with a built in air pump. Um, so it's not, it's not going to be the best, but you're going to be able to get your tires pumped up, uh, with that as well. So yeah. just an idea that you can kill two birds at one stone, have a jumper box and, um, an air pump in one. Cool. Yeah. Well, anything else? I think that's a basic list of, uh, you know, what you should be carrying around or what you should be looking at, uh, getting into your vehicle for, for the winter time. Can I just mention one last thing? Yeah. No. Um, and this, this is not, <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. So this is not just for winter, but I, I, I refuse to let my vehicles go below half a tank of fuel. Absolutely. Um, so, and this is especially critical in winter. Like, you know, you just mentioned um, something where people were stuck on a highway for 18 hours. Um, you know, if you enter that highway and you had less than a quarter tank of gas, you, you got yourself in some some real trouble there, right? Um, we have something called the Cobbacut Pass here, which at one point last year, like two years ago, they shut it down and people were stranded for about 24 hours. Um, and then although they were bringing food and beverages to people, people that, you know, were running out of gas, there's nothing that they could do for, for them, right? So, um, you know, don't, you know, don't let your vehicle below go below half a tank of gas. It may take, it may mean that you're stopping a few more times a week, but that's, that's something I really try to preach. Yeah. Right. Like keep Actually, a general rule year round, but just yeah. out of curiosity, I wonder how long a vehicle half tank of gas would last. If you sit there idling in traffic, um, you know, how long you got basically it'd be, I mean, it'd be very, very vehicle to vehicle, but, um, I should be kind of curious to see how long you could actually keep it warm without, uh, I think if you uh, just just Google your make and model vehicle, and it'll tell you. Um, a lot of times they've they've done things where they they tell you how many liters per hour your vehicle consumes by idling, and I think when I looked it up, my truck was like less than a liter per hour idling. So if I've got forty liters in the tank, uh, I could idle for a while, and I probably wouldn't let the vehicle idle the whole time. I'd idle for half an hour, shut it down, um, let it get cold again, then start it up again. Right. So I'm gonna uh, say at least twelve hours because that's how long a shift goes. <laughs> I'm not not saying I've ever done it. Yeah. <laughs> At least twelve hours. Yeah. No, it's so funny because like I get a lot of pushback from that. Go keep it above half a half a tank, but it's it's like the easiest thing to do, and uh, you're, it's not like you're saving or, or spending extra money on gas. Right. It's got to be done, so you might as well just keep it above half and just treat that as your empty needle. Yeah, and also um, winter it could give you a little bit extra traction. I mean, you're adding, you know, in a little bit of weight up to 100 to 200 pounds of weight in the back of the vehicle. So, um, especially in my truck, I'll take any weight I can get on the rear axle. So, and if uh, for in a really wet climate that's you know above zero and has condensation issues all the time, a full <laughs> tank does not 
does not attract condensation from morning uh, morning cooling than the uh, the empty tank. That's a good right. point. Right. Yeah, there's no room for condensation in there. Yeah. Well, that's it for me. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've covered off the basics. I All think right. so. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, maybe we'll move into the podcast challenge. Well, I couldn't think of much, so I just put it in here. Uh, maybe you guys have something extra, but just we were throwing around a lot of stuff here today. But I mean, and there's a lot of cash outlay required for everything. But I think as a, as a starter, if you have nothing else, maybe just put a, a coat and a toque, set of gloves if you don't have them, and a sleeping bag in your car because freezing to death sucks. And then uh, <laughs> jumper jumper cables in a small stack. I think that even those four little items there would probably put you ahead of 90% of the people on the highway. So, uh, but work up for there from there, but that's just an easy podcast challenge. Yeah. That's uh, simple to do and you don't have to do it all at once. Just slowly add things as, uh, as you're able to uh, put it in the car and it can't hurt to expand from that. Uh, once you get the basics in one step at a time, you got it. So upcoming events, we are blank. So it doesn't look like anything is, uh, coming up um there is actually if anybody's in the markham ontario area this weekend uh so that is what november the second if i remember correctly the uh the ham fest is going on there so uh any ham radio operators if you're uh interested in getting some gear doing some swaps the uh the ham fest is going on in markham ontario so unfortunately i can't make it but uh if you're around and you're a radio geek go check it out good to know right on um Something on Spark too, right? You said uh, is that is that's yeah, that's uh shout out. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So we'll move in the shout outs. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so I'll do a quick uh, shout out to the Simco Preparedness and Resiliency community. It's a Facebook group that uh I'm on uh that I've been uh, administering now for a couple of years, um or helping out administer anyways, and it's starting to uh get some pretty good conversations going. So um, if you're interested in joining the group, uh, check it out on Facebook. You don't have to be in the uh, the general area to join it. You're, anybody's welcome to come and join it and, and put your information in. Uh, we do do um, coffee meetups every uh, couple of months. So if you are in the local area, keep your eye out for the uh, the coffee meetups. And uh, they're at the, the Williams Coffee Pub in, uh, in Barrie. So if you're ever around and you want to come out to one, absolutely do so. But uh, the group's getting active and we're getting some good conversations going. So just a quick awesome. shout out. And they got a cool logo on Facebook too. They do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for myself, uh, a couple new podcasts came up in the last couple of weeks, and um, you know, good for them. I think the more the more the better. So there's uh, one out of the West Coast here called the Silver Core Podcast, and Silver Core is a firearms training center out here. Um, so it was one of the local guys there started up his podcast. He's had a couple of neat guests, uh, Ryan Stacey from IBI, and a couple other old firearms instructors on there already. I think he's up to two episodes, and then. Uh, Two episodes in now, gunning around with Sean and John. It's uh, YouTube only, I think, but they're going to be going over to iTunes soon. Um, but, but if you want a couple guys chatting about uh, firearms, um, both very talented and uh, experienced guys. One guy owns the M14 Medic, and the other guy's the, uh, well, I guess he was the provincial coordinator for the CCFR in Saskatchewan. So interesting guys. So gunning around with Sean and John. Nice. All right. Uh, Hughes, got any shout-outs? Uh, no, none for myself this week. All right. We'll move into email and iTunes reviews then. So for uh, iTunes, we are up to 39 ratings total. We've got 36 five-stars, got one four-star, one three-star, uh, no two-stars. So uh, the challenge is out there. Has to be legitimate, <laughs> though. And uh, one one-star. You mean I can't do another one? Uh, no. Okay. It's got, it's got to be legit. 
there has to be a real reason to to supply the two star. So we'll see. I put that out there a couple episodes and nobody's taken it yet. So I guess we're just not at that level. We're either five or we're one. Well, Blizzard okay. and uh, and Transport Candy Guru can put out a couple of uh, reviews. Yeah, there you go. And we do have one new written review from October 26th. Uh, it says, I always learn something new when I listen to this podcast. I like hearing about what the, the ladies are up to in the preparing or yeah, preparing department, uh, like classic so cool. Uh, it's also nice that the guys are spread across the country, uh, so you get a well-rounded input. Five stars from Alberta. So appreciate that. Nice. Interesting, the glass and eggs so far, I uh, I didn't open up the bucket per se, but I opened up the closet the bucket was in, and no stink yet. So, hey, nice. success. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've been sitting there for, what, three or four weeks now? It, like, yeah. in the water uh, solution? So, I mean, yeah, okay. Nice. I mean, if they were floating, I'd be worried, but they're not even floating or anything. So, yeah, so good so far. Awesome. We've got a couple of reviews on Facebook, too. That's uh, something I keep forgetting to read out, but uh, we've got uh, three. I've got one from Chris saying, a great resource with very knowledgeable and entertaining hosts. Appreciate that. Uh, one from Gavin. Uh, he's actually been uh, a, a co, uh, co on the, or co-panelist here. Uh, this is a great podcast with, kinda, with all kind of excellent information for those interested in prepping. And we've got another one here. This is uh, great content, great information, funny and interesting conversations. So appreciate all of those. And as far as email goes, the inbox has been empty. Uh, so it's been pretty lonely on the email side of things. So, you know, send an email, say hi, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Let us know the inbox still works. <laughs> and I guess uh, with that, we will bring uh, episode number 42 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Pod, uh, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please help us out. Take a few minutes, submit a review. It helps other people find us. You can also find us at prepperpodcast.ca and, of course, Facebook. All right. I had it over Alan's part to Hughes there. Uh, We record these shows on StreamYard. If you want um, an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click on the notifications tab. Uh, We can be reached. Sorry. Yep. That's it. My bad. Oh, you're still going there, I oh, think. Oh, sorry. sorry. I, yeah, um, I can be reached at uh, hfxprepper at gmail.com, and I've also got my own YouTube channel. Um, just search hfxprepper on YouTube. Right on. Uh, you can reach Ian directly by e- e- emailing me at theunretreat at gmail.com. You can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast, also available on iTunes and YouTube. There you can find us discussing more government waste, squirreling off on the odd firearms-related banter, and exposing the daily loss of freedoms we're facing. Right. Now, please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. Uh, you can get me there in the live chat. Well, of course, you're buying some prepper gear and maybe some winter equipment for your vehicle. Hint, hint. Uh, and you can get me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, thanks for joining us and tune in for the next episode. We're going to be covering off fortifying the doomstead. So until uh, next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs> <laughs>